Okay, this is going to sound like a joke, but it's a genuine question. What do you feed a bishop when he comes over for dinner? Well, I did not feed him. <laughs> you just stared at each other? <laughs> no. I, I asked a parishioner who's a wonderful cook to provide the dinner. So what did you serve him? Maybe that, maybe that was that the better question. That would be far better. Uh, we had, first of all, I did have some real simple hors d'oeuvres because I don't want to ruin the appetite of before a big meal. Sure. By the way, speaking of big meal, that this is the segue into the gospel this week. You can't, we just started. We're only 59 know, seconds but, in. But that's okay. Let me talk about the big meal. Okay. Uh, the, it was enough food to serve four people. Yeah, again, I, people, I didn't get the invite. Six people, <laughs> but it was just the bishop and I. And we, we kept, uh, we really did, we kept distance from each other during the meal. It's it's not a big table, but he was on one end, I was on the other. Perfect. And at one point I asked him to pass me something, and he reached out as far as he could, and I had to reach as far as I could. <laughs> we should have had a, a, a waiter in between, you know, picking it up, just like you see in the movies. Or, or one of those, you know, sticks with the claw on the end. My grandma had one of those so she could get things off the high shelves in her kitchen because she was kind of short. You could just use a, a little stick with a claw and pick it up and pass it to her. <laughs> I would spill it. Yeah. Hey, hello, everybody. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael here with Father Herb. It's another, oh, this week is beautiful. It's autumn. It's going to be in the 70s. Yes. And just to give you a little background, the bishop was with us for two Masses Sunday afternoon for what confirmation. A, a glorious day. Yes. And then because he was with us all afternoon, I had invited him to my house for dinner. So he came over and we had a, a, a very, very pleasant evening, good conversation. And had a, I think we were both tired, but it was a yes. good meal. Actually, I was I was pretty tired afterwards too. I just kind of went home and and crashed. I um my I only have one disappointment from the whole thing. You didn't get confirmed. No, I I've already been confirmed. But it, the incense in the church smelled so wonderful. It was just you know me, I like incense. It just was so such a sensory overload. I was hoping I could still smell it when I came in Monday morning, but it had dissipated. It, at that it point. dissipates. It's big space. Yeah. But you know, I think there's a gradual buildup. So maybe in 20 years when you come, the day after, it will still be in the rafters. I'll be able to, to scrape something off, some smoke off yeah. the walls. Well, we did use a lot of incense between the two masses. Uh, halfway through the second mass, uh, the MC sent the server around, to went all the way to the back and around to the side to the sacristy to sure. refill the container with incense. Well, I, I was even thinking about, you know, Speaking of the smell of the incense, confirmation itself is such a fragrant sacrament with the chrism. The chrism, and the chrism is has that wonderful uh, smell that a lot of parents keep in mind uh, when we when we baptized a child, we put on the uh, the chrism, and I try to put it on generously. Um, not, <laughs> I try not to overdo it, but I want it to be uh, smelled. One of the uh, new newly confirmed takes piano lessons from me, and so when I talked to him during his piano lesson yesterday via FaceTime, I told him and you could smell the the chrism even I, by I way could, of FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, I could smell it right through the computer. I told him he looked like he was glowing. Actually, I told him I asked him if he still smelled good, and he didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> was this a boy? Yeah, yeah a fifteen-year-old boy. Do you smell good? And then I said, "Well, have your mom smell your forehead and let me know later." But um, what a great day, and uh, thank you to Erin and her team, everybody that put together a unusual but still wonderful program during COVID-19, and to all the parents and, and everybody. And you know, that's almost my mantra these days. 
we're not stopping doing things, but we have to do things in different ways. We have to scale down. We have to have smaller groups. We have to use the media. Uh, we're very blessed. I'm not blessed to have this pandemic, but blessed to have it in 2020 as opposed to 1990 when you didn't have all these all this technology. Sure. Well, and you know, my my family is directly a part of this this year because Audrey will be making her first Holy Communion yeah. this spring. So we're we're able to do many things. And I, if I can put in a plug, the the 23 home, the yeah. the whole idea of religious fa uh, education at home, is really quite significant. So, the men's retreats coming up in November, but it's not going to be the men's retreat away at a lodge for a full weekend. Sure. Uh, we had to cancel that but we are going to have a day of renewal and have it right at the church with a lot of distance. And I think it's still gonna be good. It's gonna be a chance for people to connect in a different way. Yeah, and also knowing that hopefully next fall, we can return to hopefully getting away for a weekend together. Well, you know, I'm shooting for some normalcy by September, 2021. And I know when I say that people gulp and they say, you mean that long? And I say, oh yes, gulp. Gulp. That was my, <laughs> yeah. That was okay. my gulp. Okay, now back to the banquet. You ask what I feed the bishop, and it was, I don't know if I'd call it a banquet. It was a nice a Sunday evening dinner. Sure. Probably a bigger meal than I normally eat. Uh, good food, uh, well-prepared, good conversation. Unlike this podcast. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> and it was not a feast for a king or a feast by a king because that's in the parable this weekend. The, the, it's all about coming to the banquet. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Okay, so chapter 22 already. We're really working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. Which is good because it's fall. So And we have one more parable this weekend. So we've had three weekends in a row with parables about the vineyard. This one is not about the vineyard. This is about a wedding. Uh, why don't you read most of it, and I get to read the part about the man with, uh, who shows up without the wedding garment. All right, let's do it. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus, again in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent another servant, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? but he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now there is a long form and a short form of this gospel passage. We read the, the long form probably on Sunday when you hear it read. That last section that I added about the wedding garment will be eliminated. Uh, I'll tell you the main reason I, I want to say that. That's the short form, so there's nothing wrong with it, but the short form is more about the invitation to the banquet and going out into the streets and gathering up people. Mm-hmm. Usually, however, when people hear the long form, and it ends with the whole thing about the wedding garment, they get totally taken by that. You know, sure. that seems so unfair to kick this guy out when he was a street guy to begin with. He didn't have a wedding garment. So uh, rather than, I don't want to say that misleads people because it's the gospel, but it, it takes the focus off of the main part of the gospel story. Well, m- maybe many times too, we tend to remember and focus on the most recent thing we just read or heard, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So if we're going to, we do the short form, where where are you going with this this weekend? You know, I don't know yet. This is only Tuesday. (laughs) But I I will tell you, uh, there are several things to keep in mind. Little clues. The very first one is the opening line. Again, in reply, he spoke to the chief priests and elders This is the power class among the Jews. A chief priest, the elders, these were power brokers. And we've heard this week after week. Week after week. Again, it's a parable. And a parable is always to elicit within the listener a response. So in other words, Jesus did not just have a teaching like, okay, many are invited, few are chosen. It ends with that. Mm -hmm. But he... That wasn't the whole thing. He he wanted people to to be part of the process. And what, what happens when you tell a good story? You find yourself actively engaged. It it As the teller or as the listener? As the listener. Yeah. If it's a good story and a good storyteller, you are imaging it in your own brain and somehow it goes beyond the the analytical side, the left brain, it goes into the right brain. It also will even touch the heart. Somehow it just calls you into something uh, beyond a teaching. And my theory about a, a good parable is because the listener is active, therefore it stays with them longer. I was just telling Bobby earlier this morning that I have a friend who's an excellent storyteller. He just started a podcast himself, and I was taking a listen to his pilot episode just to give some feedback. And... um he happens to be a professional. He's a, a firefighter paramedic and, and he always has uh, captivating stories of different things that he's done in his career. And I'll never forget. It was years ago that he told me um, that there was a, a car accident that took place somewhere in the city, and, but the, it happened on a train track. And as they were, they were trying to get this person out of the car. They felt the rumblings of the track and a train coming down the track. And the way he tells the story, I mean, I was the, I was exactly how, how you said. I was in the moment. I could see the train. I could see the car. I could. That that's exactly what I'm trying to say. That's a good storyteller. Yeah, you are a good storyteller. Well, I think I'm getting better. Uh, the best storyteller among the priests that I know is Father Joe Steinbauer. Oh, really? And I he was my associate for four four and a half years. And I used to listen to him sometimes because he had the ability to to understate a story. 
So he did not advertise. Now here comes the twist or here comes the punchline. Yeah. It it just spoke for itself. And I I always felt pulled into his stories. I think that's why I love reading so much. You know, a good author just you know, you just enter the world that they've created and you're along for the ride. Yeah. You know? Okay, so back to this story. Jesus knew most of the people that you know, he's saying this to the the chief priests and elders who probably did experience banquets. Mm -hmm. However, most of the people in subsequent years who read this or heard this, you know, as part of the oral tradition before it was written down by Matthew, they probably did not really have much firsthand experience of a banquet. Mm. It's like, especially a banquet with a king. I mean, this is like only, it's almost like a fairy tale when you talk about, um, Who's, who's the one that goes to the ball? Cinderella? Cinderella. Cinderella. That's, that shows where <laughs> I'm at. Okay, so... I was uh, just thinking I'd love to go to a meal with more than four people at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A banquet of sorts. But, but the whole idea, it, it calls on your imagination, and it's almost like ludicrous. Why would anybody not accept an invitation to a banquet of the king? Uh it was his a wedding feast of his son. Hmm. This is a big, big deal. Yeah. So it immediately pulls people in. Of course we want to go. And then there's this whole contrast. Well, no, they not only turned down, they RSVP negative. No, they actually killed the mailman who delivered it. I can almost <laughs> hear the introverts, though, going, yeah, that sounds about right. I'd rather just stay home anyway. <laughs> well, that's the other thing about an invitation. An invitation is basically... Uh, an expectation. Go, go, keep going. Okay. So you're imposing something. If I invite you to have lunch with me, I'm imposing myself on you. Uh, I would agree, but you never invite me for lunch, so we don't really have to worry about that. Oh, come on. Yeah. We had lunch together last week. <laughs> That's true. We did. With seven other people. <laughs> Socially distanced. Socially distant. It was at a workshop. Yeah. Uh, the The whole thing of an invitation, I remember my mother towards the later years of her life, if she got invited to a wedding, especially if it wasn't like one of her own grandkids or something like that, but maybe the the child or grandchild of a neighbor that she didn't really know very well, it, it kind of like caught her off guard and she didn't know how to respond. Now, she was gracious and she did respond faithfully. She managed to get one of my sisters to buy an appropriate wedding gift or something. Mm -hmm. She knew she herself could not go. Sure. She simply wasn't able to. But she realized it was a, uh, it was probably meant well, but it also imposed a little burden on her. Well, I think there's there's the desire too, you don't want to disappoint someone. Not that to clarify, it's not that, you know, well, my presence is going to make this the best event ever, but it's, it's, you know, if they were gracious and kind enough to include you in the invitation, you don't want to disappoint someone by precisely not it, it, it's a compliment to be invited. Sure. I, you know, I, the example that I think of that there was, it was just this summer when we were doing our first communion invitation, our first communion masses. Uh, oh yeah. This year, because we had four different first communion masses this past year. Yeah. And, uh, one of the first communicants, uh, a girl, stopped me in the parking lot one Sunday over the summer and cause she had invited me to come to her first communion party. Now I knew that on that day I had another obligation either here at the church or there was something going on where, where I couldn't make it. 
But she came up to me and she said, I want, I was wondering if you were going to come to my first communion party. And my, my immediate reaction was, Oh my gosh, I don't want to disappoint this little girl. She was kind enough to include me and, and to think of me. And I don't want to, I don't want to be a disappointment to her. Yeah. Okay. So the story already has this first twist that they're invited and they choose not to go. Now, many people read this into a, uh, read into this, that this is Jesus saying, you chief priest, you elders of the people, you are the Jewish leaders, and you were given that great invitation to God's kingdom, Mm -hmm. the kingdom of God. And not only have you not accepted it, you basically have destroyed the the servants who even gave you the message. Mm. So then the parable goes on and says, therefore, what was rightfully yours is taken away from you and given to others. And then we get this wonderful, wonderful image. The the feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. And the servants went out into the streets and gathered everybody, the good and the bad alike. I, I can just see them going out there and saying, are you good, you bad? It doesn't matter. Come. (laughs) That hall must have been filled with a really colorful group. You know, it's like, you know, uh, how do you behave at a banquet? You know, do they know what to do? uh, Oh, like etiquette wise? Etiquette wise. And and don't drink so much wine. It's it's not time yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's the beauty of diversity. That's the beauty of all of us coming from different. Uh, and stages of life. I, I, one of the other gospels, it says, uses the phrase, so they went out into the highways and the byways. And I, I like that byways. Thing. What is a byway? It's not the highway. It's the, it's the byway. <laughs> or my way. Yeah, it's the, okay, by, the byway would be almost like going down the alleys. Have you ever done a, a, a trip where you did not go on any uh, major highways, no, no expressways? Um, yeah, it takes more time, but yeah. you take the smaller highways. Sure. They take you through little towns. I did that once coming back from, I was right on the border between uh, Virginia and North Carolina, and I, I decided not to take the expressways, and I took different roads. It took me forever to get back, mm-hmm. but I went through towns. I listened, listened to local AM radio stations, people just having call-in and stuff, and mm-hmm. I stopped at a restaurant. And the accent of the server was so strong, I could not even understand what she was asking me. Really? And I, I didn't want to embarrass her, but I couldn't. It's like going into another country. But so the idea is that we, we miss a lot of the people. We miss where people really live, the, the true uh, inclusion. And I've, I always fear the Catholic Church is less inclu- inclusive than it needs to be. Because there was a time we were the immigrant church. There was a time when all the new folks who had come to this country, they came to the Catholic church. Sure. And now I, we're, way, we're not only middle class, but sometimes kind of uh, uppity. Which is? As, as an institution. I don't mean individual people. Which is uh, peculiar because Catholicism itself is universal. You know, we are supposed to be the all-inclusive yeah. universal church. So, so the kingdom of God is inclusive. It's given out to the others. Now, if you want to quickly go into the wedding garment thing, the whole wedding garment is like, okay, you have to respond. Mm. 
And now some people are very protective of that poor person. Well, he doesn't have a wedding garment. Well, a lot of a lot of the commentaries say, well, they provided the garment when you came to the door. It's kind of like if you show up at the store without a mask these days. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> they've got well, a complimentary one. We do one. that for weddings. Every wedding I've had, uh, the bridal couple provides masks if anybody comes and forgets to bring a mask. Sure. And almost everybody nowadays has a mask in their pocket, whether they want to wear it or not. But uh, we provide for them, and that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But you have to respond. It And spirituality is always about response. God reaches out to us. We have to respond. We get the invitation. We have to respond. We are called. We have to say yes. Yeah, it's action-oriented. We can't expect just to always be on the receiving end. Not only not on... Yeah, but it starts with God calling us. We respond, and we, we have to respond in action, as you just said. Before we run out of time on today's podcast, I would... I hate to miss probably one of the most famous lines in Philippians we hear this weekend in the second reading, I can do all things in him who strengthens me, or many other translations, I can do all things in through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, I know a few people that have that tattooed onto their arm somewhere. So it's a pretty good line. I didn't, I didn't know that you had that tattoo. Uh, I personally do not have the ink on my body. Okay. Of that or any other scripture quote. But it is on my heart. <laughs> also not an in ink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the 23 Podcast. As always, uh, we look forward to being with you this weekend at Mass. Take some time to go through the readings. Uh, we didn't even talk about the psalm. Psalm 23, one of my favorites. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Spend some time with these readings, and we'll see you this weekend at Mass. Take care. God bless. <laughs>